the Lord wanted me to teach on relationships this Wednesday night. And so I was working with my notes this morning and just felt an unction to uh, fix it where you enter, where you participate more and uh, you fill in some blanks as we as we preach. So we don't always do it that way, but that's something we'll do a little differently tonight. So does anybody need a pen or a pencil? And, uh, <clears throat> pardon? <laughs> you need a pen? He has a pen. <laughs> you have one. Does anybody else, does anybody need a pen or a pencil? Because we have a, praise God. You, so we do have some pens or pencils that are needed. Okay, Eric, would you see if you can find one? <laughs> that's a, <laughs> praise God. See what you can find back there at the information center, at the that communication center. If not, go to the information center and get everybody a pen or pencil because you're not going to be able to do this without one. Amen. So some people are sharing. Okay. By the time he gets back, we may have it covered. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then we'll pray. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow and pray tonight. Father, we thank you for your holy written word. We thank you it never returns void. And it is life-changing as it's preached and taught. And Lord, we receive it tonight. We receive it as the um, incorruptible seed that bears a fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> praise God. Well, Eric, I think we got it covered just there on loan now that you've but if anybody else needs one, now raise your hand. He's got a couple. Praise God. Would you turn with me to John 10.10? 10? Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Uh, Pastor and I used to go, um, when we were traveling for that year and a half throughout the South and well into some other places too, but from going from church to church as we were in Birmingham on a mission, and God told us to travel for that season. One of the things we did was uh, uh, God had given us a message on promotion, and uh, it was really supernatural because nobody else was teaching on it at that time. Now, since then, we've heard a lot of people teach on it, but and, and the Holy Spirit's like that. When he gives one person a message, he'll give it to other people in the body of Christ, and that's that because he wants to get that message out into the body. And so this was in 97, and God gave us that message right before we left our church in Texas. And, and one of the things that he led us to do was to develop it into a seminar. And we did a something similar to this, only it was kind of in a book form. And, uh, and we would hold seminars on Saturday. And uh, we would literally spend the morning and part of the afternoon teaching and the people would fill in the blanks and um, and uh, they would attend this promotion seminar and you know we saw great results from that in fact you know to this day we can be someplace like oh the Galleria or somewhere like that and we may see somebody that knows us but we don't know them because we went to a lot of churches and they will say you know I'm still you know, I still remember that promotion message. I still, and you know, it got down into people's hearts because this kind of teaching, when you when you actually get into it by by filling in the blanks and and actually do more than just listen, it can get down in you. And so I believe that's why the Lord led me tonight to to do this this way for this season. And so let's read John ten ten. It says, um, "The thief cometh not, but for to steal." and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they may, might have it more abundantly. Um, this scripture, uh, 
is tells us the purpose of Jesus coming. And you know, this has been like my heartbeat scripture from the time we got filled with the Spirit. That, that to help people, and to myself, myself also, but to help people live abundant life. Because I did, I was saved from when I was in the fourth grade, but I didn't know anything about the fact that God had an abundant life for me. I thought God saved us to, set, to, 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 to keep us from having to go to hell, and I thought that was the end of it. That was all that there was to, to what Jesus did. I didn't know that there was anything further. But Jesus did so much more than just to set us free from having to go to hell. And, of course, we're very thankful that he did that part. But there's so much more. I'm so glad that he also set us free from hell on earth. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I tell you, some people live a life on earth that you think it couldn't be much worse down there. I mean, I know it is, but, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. People live sometimes horrible lives down here as far as the, the things that they go through and the things that they suffer and the things that they are abused with. And so we've been set free from that in Jesus. Amen. And Jesus didn't just come to, uh, to heal us and deliver us from sickness and disease. And he didn't just come to uh, uh, prosper us and set us free from poverty. And lack, although poverty and lack are a curse. You know, sometimes we don't think about how much poverty and lack are a curse. But you think about when poverty is taken, you know, poverty is de comes in degrees. And when it's taken to enough degrees, you can be where you can't feed your kids. And that's a curse. You can be where you don't have enough to eat. And that's a curse. Amen? Uh, you can be where you don't have a home. There's a man here in Tuscaloosa that we see walking all the time down in the downtown parts, and he's homeless. Amen? And that's a curse. Amen? And so uh, Jesus didn't just come, though, that we could have be free from that. But he also came that we would be uh, complete spirit, soul, and body, that we would be well-rounded, balanced, uh, that, that every area of our life would have success in it. That there wouldn't be one area in our life that would be in failure or ruins or destruction. So, you know, he came, he came for all of us, for our entire being. And in fact, if you read in 3 John 2, where it says, Beloved, I wish or desire above all things that ye might prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. We realize that um, it's impossible to have physical health and prosperity, financial health, without having soul, our soul prospering and the things that concern our soul realm. Amen? In other words, the things that affect our soul realm are going to have a direct bearing on the things in our health and on our, uh, our, our, uh, our finances. So it stands to reason, and, and we can prove it out by the Word of God, that God wants to put our relationships in order. Because if I'm bankrupt in my relationships, if I'm not having success in relationships, 
then I'm not going to have good, my soul's not going to be prospering. I'm not going to be healthy. I'm not going to have emotional health. I'm not going to be mentally healthy. And because I'm not emotionally and mentally healthy, I won't be able to carry through with financial prosperity and I won't be able to get my body to have a wellspring of life or health flowing out of it because my mental or emotional being will be poisoning my body. And you know people who literally, because of their emotional and mental health, have or their bodies are being poisoned. I mean, you could think of people. And you may have even gone through a time in your life where the things that were coming against your mind and your emotions were beginning to affect your body. Amen? And before God could touch your body completely, now He could touch your body and He could heal it, but until God did something in your mind and emotions, it was just going to get sick again. Amen? For Him to get you where you had divine health, where you could stay healthy, He's got to do something with my emotional and my mental health. And my relationships that I have affect my emotional and mental health. Now tonight as we talk about relationships, I'm not going to be talking about marriage. About a year ago, maybe, yeah, about a year ago, I think it was last spring, we taught on marriage. And we're not teaching on marriage this time. This is not about marriage. You may be able to take some of the things I teach and apply them to your marriage, but that's not what I'm teaching on. I'm going to talk about, I'm not even going to be talking about your relationships with your family, although you may be able to apply some of the principles to your family. But I want to talk about our relationships with other people, with other Christians, and with human beings that have been placed on this earth with us. Amen? Because we need to have a health in our relationships with people. Hallelujah. We have to live here on the earth with people. And we're supposed to have healthy relationships. Amen. So we're going to be starting to fill in some blanks. And we read that scripture about life and life more abundantly. And I want to give you the Greek definition of abundantly. Because I want to show you what it means, what God was talking about when he said, Jesus came for you to have life abundantly. Abundantly there in John 10.10 10 means above the common. I like that. It means super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. It means above the common, super abundant in quantity, and superior in quality. That's the kind of life that Jesus came that we might live. Amen. Superior in quality. Superior in quality to what the worldly people live. I want, I, want, I want all of the church members at Word of Life Church to be having a superior in quality life. It is my goal. It is the reason God called me to the ministry and called me to preach. Amen. That's the scriptures He always put in my heart when He was telling me about the call of God on my life. This is what I've called you to do. He takes me to Colossians and says that the mystery of Christ, this, it's a mystery that all that Christ did for us, but we, part of the mystery that Christ did for us is to give us a superior in quality life. We don't have to live like the world lives. Amen? In any realm. And he gave came that we could have superior 
or superabundant in quantity. Now, that's got a lot of ways we could translate it, but one way it can be translated is that we have superabundant in quantity means I get to live longer than the world gets to live. Psalm 91, 16 backs that up. He said, I will satisfy you with long life. You say, well, why do Christians die young? Because they don't know. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They don't know what Jesus bought. They don't know to stand for, to believe for, and to fight for their rights. You have a right to long life. You have a right to stay on this earth until you are satisfied. Amen? That's your right to stay in good health until you're satisfied. And if you're not satisfied, just don't go. Just don't go. Say, no, 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 no. Amen? Begin to plan now. I want, you know, we're the generation, I believe it with all my heart, of the rapture of the church. Go ahead and plan now. Go ahead and determine, I will be here when the rapture comes. I will go in the rapture and start believing God for it. Amen? Start believing God for that. That you will be satisfied with long life. Amen. The Bible is a book about relationships. It is about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with ourselves and with other people. And there are three distinct these these are three distinct relationships, but they all must be healthy for life to flow properly. We got to have a healthy relationship with God. We got to have a and you know to have a healthy. A lot of Christians are saved, but they don't have a healthy relationship with Him. Because if you don't know, if you don't know the gospel, the good news, if you don't know who you are in Christ and what God is all about and what He will do and what He won't do, you're not going to have a healthy relationship with Him. You're going to be ducking and dodging Him because the devil brings condemnation. You're going to be thinking you never know what God is going to do. You're going to be thinking things like that. That's not a healthy relation. That's not healthy. That's not healthy. A healthy relationship with God is when I have confidence in who He is and confidence in what He'll do for me and confidence of who I am in Him. Amen? Hallelujah. That's healthy. And then we are to have a healthy relationship with ourselves. You know, I saw something the other day on a... Uh, a billboard here in town where they were advertising martial arts and uh, to teach your kids martial arts and it says we teach self-esteem well self-esteem is a world is worldly i don't need to have self-esteem i need to know who i am in christ amen that's just a hollow empty shell self-esteem that's just standing yourself up before the mirror and lying to yourself every day I'm somebody, I'm pretty good. You know, that is a hollow, empty shell that will crack on you one day. But who I am in Christ, that's a solid foundation. Amen? Teach your children who they are in Christ. That they've been bought with the blood of Jesus. That there's no condemnation for them. That God will never leave them nor forsake them. That God will love them. And he, they, there's nothing that they could do to, 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 to stop that love and, and help them to experience the love of God. The Bible says that we're not to just know that He loves us, but we're to experience it. Amen? 
Hallelujah. And parents are responsible to make sure that the kids experience it. Hallelujah. And so um, that, has, that has to do with our health. And then our relationships with other people. Americans, I have noticed, and I, you say, well, where did you get this teaching? I got it right from the Holy Ghost. I didn't get this. Americans have little understanding about relationships. I've just watched throughout my life, not really that old, but just watched and I've just noticed that people as them for the most part are not very good at relationships and I think we could go to the divorce rate and how people keep jobs and how people relate to friends and uh, we could say you know most people aren't very good at that Christians have lightly regarded the value the word of God puts on relationships I don't even think we as Christians really know God places on the relationships uh, that that He has caused us to participate in. You cannot enjoy life if you don't enjoy people. It's impossible to enjoy life if you do not enjoy people. How many of you know the world is full of several billion? Amen. You're going to have a really hard time enjoying life if you don't learn to enjoy people. You cannot reach your God-given destiny without people. You have a God-given destiny. And no matter how much you think you can do it yourself, I got news for you tonight. You can't. You are going to have to have people to go where God has called you to go. I know we have heard songs before. like, And you know, in one sense it's true. There's nobody else like Him. And that is true. And nobody can be to us what he is. But on the other hand, he never intended for us to only have a relationship with him and for us to be independent and I can do it, me just me and Jesus. You know, and I've heard songs that said something to that effect. We hadn't sang them here, but I've heard them. And um, um, relationships should be regarded as divine. See, I don't know if the body of Christ realizes. In fact, as I watched the body of Christ through the years, I don't think they know that their relationships are divine. There's a divinity. In other words, they're not just an earthly coincidence. They're not just something that happens in on that. There, there's divine. There's divinity behind your relationships. There's divine planning. There's not just coincidences. There's a divinity to you, the relationships. And I'm not saying that some of you hadn't had a, a, a non-divine relationship. I'm sure that some of you have, in the flesh, created some non-divine relationships. But a lot and most of our relationships, if we follow the Holy Spirit, all of our relationships are divine. Amen. And uh, so our, our relationships should be regarded as divine, handled with deep regard. See, we're just too casual. I think Pastor Brooks said one day that Americans aren't loyal. I think I heard him say that. And I've noticed that. We're just too casual. We do not have a deep regard and hold them as precious and, and, and not be easily moved away from our relationships. The older I get, the more precious I know relationships are. I used to be, an, and I, it's funny God would ask me to teach this, because I was a non-relationship person. I did not, I don't know why I wasn't really ever said if this was taught in my house, I didn't, it was, 
was unspokenly taught if it was taught. I don't know if it was taught. But I just, for the most part, and some personality styles are like this, just felt like I really didn't need people. You know, I needed Michael. I needed my husband. When I met him, I wanted him. And I determined I was getting that man. And he tried to get away once when he went to college. And I went to the Baptist church. And we had a youth director come that summer. And Ralph said to me, he said, Debbie, if you want him, I'll tell you how to get him. This is what this youth director told me in the Baptist church. And I said, okay. And he told me what to do. And so I did it, and within two weeks, I had him. This man, he, it was God. And you know, to this day, this is kind of a joke, I have never told him, I tell this story a lot, I have never told him what Ralph told me to do. He does not know how I got him to this day. But I got him. Amen. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I didn't really need people. But as I got into my 30s, I started realizing this is kind of a lonely way to live. I began, I didn't even realize that it was lonely until I got in my 30s. And I got in my 30s and I realized it was kind of lonely, but I still just held people way off and uh, uh, didn't let them in, you know. And uh, we had this lady, God moved a family from Rockport, Texas to Seminole, and her husband was a... a uh, he came to the farms in the summer and went out and looked for insects and then told the farmers what to do to get rid of the insects. And he did that every summer. And they would move to Seminole for the summer months from the time the cotton was in the ground till they harvested. And they would live there and they would go to our church. And Kimberly, she would not take no for an answer. She made me be her friend. She made me. It didn't matter how much I pushed her away, she pushed her way in and made me be her friend. And God, it was God because when she did, it cracked something off of me. And I realized, you know, I didn't want to be without relationships. Amen? So I'm, I'm the, it's funny God would ask me to teach on relationships, but they're important to me. And I don't lightly regard them. I hold them precious and I don't throw them away. I know we have a set of friends and, uh, in the past. And, and friends, God puts divine people in your life. And uh, just because God puts them in your life don't mean they're always going to do right or act right. And these friends, never have they've never done anything to us, but they've just gotten weird a few times, you know. And, and, and I, I know one time a pastor said to me, he said, I just don't know if we can fellowship with these people. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, I said, relationships are so precious. And I said, it is worth it. I said, we got to hang on. And, you know, they'll, and he says, and one time he said, because I'm telling you, we've been through it with these people. And he said, uh, one time he said, I don't know if they're ever going to come out of this. And I said, yeah, they are, because God's got too much invested in them. And we got to hang on with them. And so, any I now used to, I wouldn't have been like that. It's like, bless God, you're going to act weird? Get out of my path. Get out of my way. But no, people are, relationships that God has put in you are precious. We're to deeply regard them. Amen? And, and we'll talk more about that later. <clears throat> the, uh, let's see. 
Where am I at? And we are, relationship be regarded as divine. I should have numbered these. It would have been easier. Handled with deep regard and prayerfully nurtured. We are to nurture our relationships. And we, I tell you what, nurturing, how many of you know nurturing is work? Amen? That's what we do when we raise children is we nurture. Raising children is work. And nurturing relationships is work. Now, I guess y'all realize I'm talking about relationships. I'm not talking about your boyfriend. I'm, you know, in the world, when you say I'm in a relationship, you're talking about I've got a boyfriend. Even if you have a husband, you might have one. You know, <laughs> that's the world way. But when I talk about relationships here, I'm talking about friendship. But I don't even like the word friendship, even though the Bible uses the word friend, because in America, friend, the word friend and friendship is like the word love. Love is just over, you know, we love cornbread and we love Coca-Cola, you know, and we love beanie babies. And, you know, love is abused and misused, right? The word love. And that's the way friendship is, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that God puts in your life. Not all of them are necessarily friendships, but, but relationships and friendships. And so we will use that word some. Good relationships make life sweeter. No one is born into this world being good at relationships. I will say this, that because of how people are raised, some people are better at them. You know, if your parents were good at relationships, you probably have a better chance of being good at relationships. But if you were raised by somebody that, you know, just stayed holed up in the house and didn't make friends and didn't talk to the neighbors, there's going to be some things in Christ. See, you're in Christ now, though. You are in Christ. And in Christ, the Bible says you can do all things. And not only can you do them, He expects you to. You are expected to be Christ-like. You are expected to live the Word. You are expected. You are expected to. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It don't matter if they beat you four times a day and locked you in the cellar every night and didn't feed you. Hmm, Karen says, they still, God still expects you to take His Word, let it heal you, and for you to live it. Amen? And really and truly, when you got saved... He'd really delivered you from all that. Your brain just hadn't figured it out yet. That's true. Amen. Get renewed in that. No one is born into the world being good at relationships. We can learn people skills. Now, that's what the world calls it. You can go to the bookstore right now, Books of Me, and you can find books on people skills. How to be a people person. But that's the world's way. You know what God calls it? He says it just like this. We can learn to be Christ-like. See, people skills are nothing more than being Christ-like. Jesus had people skills. Jesus had people skills. People skills are being Christ-like. And when the world discovers something that's a people skill, it's really just a Bible skill that they don't even know is. Amen? It's being Christ-like. That's what it is. Relationships enrich the moment. If you don't have relationships, you're not got a very rich life. Relationships make life rich. You know, there's just something about food that it's better when it's rich. That's why when you make 
bread dressing, you put eggs in it because eggs make it rich, right? Hallelujah. When you make certain things, you put whipping cream in it. Pastor has a saying that anything tastes better when it's fried, has whipping cream on it, or butter. You can make anything taste better just by adding a dollop of whipping cream. <laughs> I mean, anyway, hallelujah. But you see, relationships, without relationships, life is like a skim milk. Now, I buy skim milk. I buy fat-free milk at our house. And if you drink that stuff long enough, you can't tell it. You like it. See, I like it now. And I go, when I drink real milk, I think, you know, whole milk, I feel like I'm drinking whipping cream. I do. Huh? And so we buy skim milk. Hallelujah. But my kids, you know, when they used to go visit somebody and they had real milk, they got real excited. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because they were kind of raised on skim milk. But we don't want our relationships to be like skim milk. Mm. The other day I was making something and it called for evaporated milk and the only can I had was fat free. That was the most puny. Ugh. I don't know how I got that can of fat free skim, uh, evaporated milk. Relationships teach us about life. Relationships introduce us to things that make life better. There's so many things to know and discover that you will never know and discover apart from people that God puts into your life. You, there's, you will be so shallow. You won't have any depth about you if you don't have some divine relationships. Amen? Relationships help us grow. That's one of the things God uses relationships most for is to help us grow. You know the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron? If you just stay with your kinfolk, see, your kin. no, you may not think so, but it's true. I would have argued this with you five years ago even. Your, your kinfolks are so much like you. And if the only relationships you have is your kinfolks, y'all are going to be kind of lopsided. You know, y'all are going to be like the lopsided family. Because why? No iron is sharpening you. See, you know, you need my family to and this family and that family and that family to rub up against you because you're so different than I am. And, and you know, when and, and you rub up against me, you know, I have to. It makes me come up straighter and it makes me grow. Amen? See, I, you, you don't want to just be with people that look like you think like you, talk like you. You say, well, I'm not like my family. Just wait. The older you get, the more you'll know it. I mean, sometimes I just like, I'm never going to be like my mother. And sometimes I hear myself say things and I go, oh my God, that's my mother. You know, don't you? And, and sometimes my husband helps me and he says, Joe. And sometimes I help him and I say, Walter. Amen. And you know, it's funny, the older you get, I know you don't want to hear this, but the more you will look like them. Amen? And whether you like to believe it or not, in many ways you think like them. Now we're renewing our mind and we're getting, we're, we're digging it out, but still, it, it, isn't it true? Isn't it true? I was looking through some pictures. My mom gave me a dress that she used to wear. And uh, I was looking through some Christmas pictures and I was going through them and I thought, oh, there's my mom. About five pictures later, it hit me. 
That's me. That was me. That was not my mom. I never thought I'd look like her. Amen. Nor act like her. See, we got to have other relationships or we're going to be so imbalanced. Amen. Um, relationships help us overcome when adversity strikes. That's one of the main reasons you need relationships. When adversity strikes, now I know there's always a few exceptions, but mostly your family, they can offer a lot of things, but they're not going to help you overcome. They'll sympathize. They'll cry. They'll wail and they'll moan. They'll hug you and kiss you and slobber on you and drip tears on you. But when adversity strikes, it's the friend that you that will say, no, no, you come on. You know, they, you, it's the friend that will say no and will raise you up. Hallelujah. See, we get weird when it comes to our family. And you know, the more grounded and rooted in the Word of God your family is, and I want to tell you the ideal situation is for your family uh, to be in the, in the family of God with you. And that's, but that's not always how it is. And the ideal situation is for all of you to have renewed minds, but that's not always how it is. Amen? But when your family has renewed minds, there are times that they can help you in adversity. But if they don't have renewed minds, you need divine relationships where people have renewed minds and they can say, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going there. You're not going to settle for that. Amen? Relationships give us strength and weakness. When we come to an area of weakness in our life, relationships give us strength. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of the Scripture that says in Ecclesiastes that two is better than one and a threefold cord is not easily broken. See, God gives us divine relationships so that where, where you're weak, somebody else is strong. In families, this is usually the truth, in families you usually all have the same weaknesses as a general rule. You'll find that weaknesses run in families. Weaknesses are passed down through the generations in families. They're good, they are good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over a lot of times in families. Isn't that true? Just like physical weakness is passed in families, emotional weakness can be passed in families, and mental weakness and mental health passed in families. And we can break those things in the blood of Jesus. But one of the best things God gives us to strengthen and gird up that weakness is divine relationships. Somebody that's strong where I'm weak. Somebody that'll say, let me help you do that. Let me walk with you through that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And all of us need relationships, people that we can call. And, they're, and, 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 and you have to believe for them. And you have to receive them when God sends them. And you have to nurture them and not be so quick to dispose of them. Some people treat relationships like they do paper plates. Oh, well, you know, they didn't act right today. Oh, well, I didn't like what they did. You're going to never like what... See, we don't do our family that way, even though many times we don't like what they do. But it's been culturally passed down to us. Blood's thicker than water. That's what my mother always used to say. Blood's thicker than water. Amen. And so that's been passed down through us. And we and, and, and uh, I'll tell you something. 
Well, I'll get to that in a minute. I'll get ahead of myself. We need to appreciate. We're on the very last one on page, this page. We need to appreciate the people God places in our lives. When's the last time you were thankful for the relationship? I like to call the relationships God put in our life divine connections. That's the next one. Divine connections and Holy Ghost times. God has some divine connections from you this year. You don't just get one or two. All through your life, He's going to be giving you divine connections. He's going to be giving you Holy Ghost hookups. There are people coming to this church that are divine connections and Holy Ghost hookups for you and that you are for them. You're going to meet people at work sometimes that are divine connections and Holy Ghost hookups. Some relationships are for a season. We're on page two. Most are for life. A lot of the relationships that you've thrown away like a paper plate that you have not nurtured and you have not cared for, or maybe you didn't throw them away, but you just kind of let them disappear into oblivion. Those were given to you, and they were given to you for life. Amen? And even though some of them, you know, when I'm cooking, I'll have something, I'll have some food on the front burners, and I'm, bur- I'm really boiling it. I mean, it's boiling hard. And then I'll push some to the back burners, and I'll just, it'll just be simmering a little. And then even some I'll put over here and I'll turn it as low as it'll go and it's just barely just staying warm. And that's how our relationships are that God gives us. Not all of them are going to be boiling all the time. You know, some of them are going to be over here on simmer but, and some of them are going to be over here just on the warming plate where, but we still didn't throw them out with the, in the garbage disposal. We didn't throw, the, throw them out like a paper plate. We didn't forget those people that God put in our life. They may not even live where we live anymore. We may not have contact with them every day. Those those are the ones that are just kind of on the warming tray. But we make sure that we stay in Holy Ghost contact. You know, when we moved to Alabama, there was a temptation uh, where some extended family, not like our parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters, although I don't have any brothers and sisters, I'm an only child, well, I'm an only child with seven stepsisters and brothers, but I'm an only child. Anyway, but, you know, the cousins and the extended things, it's like, I thought the first year that I did Christmas cards, I thought, who cares? I mean, I'm, I'm being honest, okay? But the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 stay connected. Why? Because what's happening today may not be what's happening 10 years from now. And if I maintain a connection, then when the Holy when they need somebody, when they need somebody to call, they know what we stand for. I'm sure when they get a Christmas card from Michael and Debbie, they don't, a lot of them don't think much of it at all. I mean, I, I'm sure they don't, you know, we, hallelujah. But someday, they might need something. And they would know, you know, they'd have my address. They'd know where, they'd, they'd know. Stay connected. And that's the way relationships are. For people that you knew in your past, don't just dispose of them. You may just keep them on warm. But keep them there. With whatever God, however God leads you. With a, maybe an occasional phone call, maybe an email, maybe a, you know, Keep relationships. Regard them as valuable. 
regard them as precious. We must know when to let go of a relationship. There is a time to let go. There are relationships sometimes that we get involved in that are not healthy. And there are times to let go of relationships. And then we also need to know when to hang on and when to persevere. All relationships go through seasons. You know, not all of them are boiling all the time, like I said. I found even in families, in our family, that there's like a cycle in a season. I found that there's this, oh, you know, we're just so close, and then all of a sudden, like, why are we not so close? And then we'll be so close, and then we're not so close. And, and you know, we need to learn to just flow with that. Instead of, like I said, you get there, well, we're not very close anymore. Throw the paper plate away. No, if you'll just hang on, that relationship will. And you go through things like that with your mom and with your dad. There will be times when you are just, you know, and you'll go through things like that with your children and with your grandchildren. You're not, you know, they'll go, you got grandkids? You know, there's seasons when, when nanny is just everything to them. But then there will be a season... And I know there will be when I don't have time for nanny. i got to be with my friends. I know I used to go to my grandmother's and stay a month every summer. And my grandparents just loved that. And you know, my grandfather, he just moved to the other bedroom and I slept with granny every night. And he would serve me and granny coffee in bed every morning. But you know, when I got to high school, grand-grand said, you want to sleep with granny tonight? And I said, no, I don't want to sleep with granny. Didn't want to sleep with Granny anymore. You know what? It wasn't very long till I didn't want to stay but a week with Granny. Then I didn't want to even go for three days. Then it was like, Mama, if we're going to have to go to Granny's and Grand Grand's this weekend, can Michael go with us? <laughs> uh, see, I didn't. Even, granny and Grand Grand weren't. But you know what? If the Granny and Grandchildren just hung in there, and after I got over being infatuated, after we got married, it was no big deal anymore. <laughs> It's like, now I can go back to Granny and Grand Grand's and stay a week. <laughs> you know, again, you know what I'm saying? You, talk, you, you know what I'm talking about? The cycle of relationships and friendships go through seasons and cycle. The strength of a relationship is not based on the whim of a moment or the feeling of a season. We got to quit being feeling people. You may not feel very close. You're going to go through seasons in your church life, in this church. You're going to go through seasons when you are passionate here. My God, this is the best place I've ever been. And then you're going to go through seasons where it's like, you know, and everybody here goes through those. And then you'll go through a season again when, oh, I'll tell you what, I, I just love being in the household. You, you need to learn to uh, quit being led by feelings. Amen. Quit being moved by a whim of a moment or by, you know, when I get in a relationship, you know, if you're in relationship with me, I may go a month and not, not be very nice, not be very friendly. A lot of times we don't know what's going on behind the scenes in people's lives. We need to be careful not to throw our paper plates out. Hallelujah. We need to be there for people. Because, you know, you may not know what, you know, you, you can have somebody come into church and they're just believing that they could get out of the bed to get here. They don't even have enough strength to build you up and pat on you and bless you. They're believing to breathe. And they may not be saying it, especially in a church like this. 
They may be hard. They may just say, I'm, I'm walking by faith and I'm not telling. I'm not encouraging you not to tell. But I know there's people that do that. Amen. There might be somebody in such pain mentally or spiritually or emotionally that they can't talk about it yet. We got to hang on. Persevere. Not be moved by the whim of the moment and the, the breeze that blows through the air. And Hallelujah. We'll never amount to anything in the kingdom of God if we're constantly being moved. We'll never amount to anything as relationship people. And we'll never grow. There's so many Christians not growing. I could name you so many that they're no different now. That Ten years ago, they hadn't changed to iota. That's not how it ought to be. We ought to be constantly growing. Amen. If you're going through a season and maybe you hadn't had the feelings you once had, you just hang in there. Feelings come and feelings go. And I think sometimes actually the Lord takes feelings away from us so we'll grow up and we'll walk by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. You're going to be faithful to Him when, it, when you're having chills. and Hallelujah. This is not an emotional experience. We will have emotions, but we've got to base our lives on something greater than emotions. And that's the Word of God. So be loyal in your relationships. Stay connected. More relationships should be hung on to than discarded. I want to give you some hindrances to developing relationships. number one are not open to relationships some people are like me I don't really need friends I don't want friends you know and uh, sometimes they're that way because they were like me I mean I just really didn't know I needed people I really had that mentality I hadn't really particularly been hurt although that's the first line some people have been hurt some people have been disappointed that's the second line and the third line is some people have been let down people let me down that can be a hindrance to forming relationships. If you're still nursing a hurt, carrying that wound around where you've been disappointed. When I hear think about people being hurt, been disappointed, been let down, you know what I want to say? And I don't mean this, I don't mean to be unsympathetic, but I want to say join the club. You know why I want to say that? Because there's nobody on the face of the earth that hadn't been hurt, disappointed, and let down. Not one part. You'd have to, the only people that hadn't are, are infants, newborn. Amen. Hurt, disappointed, and left down, let down. So people can have, like, I don't want friends because of that. They can be afraid of connecting with people. And, and you know what? We're going to have to get over that fear because if we're afraid of what might happen, we won't connect to people. They may think, I might get hurt. I might get let down. I might get taken advantage of. No, might's not the right word. You should know. You will. Absolutely. But it's worth it. I'm telling you, you may say, it's not worth it. I can't take the pain. You're in pain anyway. If you are without relationships, you are in pain. You are lonely. You feel left out. You feel rejected. You, you don't have, you, 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 you're not growing. You're not being strengthened in your weakness. Iron's not, you're not, you're, your iron's not being sharpened. And you're hurting. And it's worth it. You will be let down. You will be disappointed. You, but you know what? I'm not asking you to believe to be let down. I'm just believing I receive when I pray. 
I know, you know, I'm not asking you to be fatalistic of, I'm going to make a relationship with you, but I know you're going to let me down. No, I don't think we should. I don't think we should believe for things like that. I think we should expect the best. But if you, through, through the course of life and all the relationships God brings to you, at some point somebody's going to disappoint you. Sometimes it's even not even real, it's perceived. You know, somebody's going to let you down and somebody is going to hurt you. And it won't even be intentional a lot of times. And sometimes it might be intentional. Amen? Because if you've got a relationship with somebody's hurting, hurting people hurt other people. And you know, if you're a strong person in God, God will give you relationships with people that are hurting because He knows you can take the hurt and you can help them. Amen? Because hurting people just thrash everybody around them. Amen? And uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. In the Bible, God will heal you. When people disappoint you, all you have to do is run right into the arms of Jesus and say, God, that, you know, be honest. Some people want to throw up a wall and go, that didn't hurt. It's going, yeah, that's not going to heal it for you to say that didn't hurt. Pretend it didn't hurt. No, you need to tell Jesus, that hurt. Lord, heal that hurt right now. That hurt, that hurt my heart, it hurt my feelings. Amen. Sometimes you can even tell them if God let you know that hurt my feelings. Amen. Sometimes you can't. And sometimes you can't, but hallelujah, you say that hurt. Lord, heal it. Fall across your bed and tell Jesus it hurt, and then get back up and get in the flow of the body of Christ. Jesus will heal your wound. He bore all your grief and all your pain. Tell him, God, I was so disappointed. Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone has been hurt and disappointed. We have a choice, number one, to hold on to the wrong or to forgive and move forward. Everybody say this. I'm going to forgive and I'm going to move forward. You know, a lot of people are just kind of sitting there in their pain. They're holding on to pain, the pain of the heart I'm talking about. They're holding on to resentment. They're holding on to the fear. And they're holding on to grief. But I wanted you to notice that all of those words relate to death. When you hold on to pain of heart and grief and resentment and hurt, you're just clinging and holding on to death. I I know God showed me not to have anything to do with death. Don't have anything to do with death. That's why I can't have anything to do with things like Halloween. I can't have anything to do with Halloween. Why? Because I give it the test. Does it got death in it? Yeah. Does it got fear in it? Yeah. Anything that's got death in it, anything that's got fear in it, or anything that's got hate in it, I stay way back from. And then I'll put up, you know, I put the Valentine, I put, you know, because we had some friends that pulled their kid out out of a school because they had a Valentine party. And I'm like, okay, God, let's give it the test. Is Valentine about hate? No. Is it about death? No. Is it about, um, what was my other one? Fear? No. Pass the test. Why just get in there with the best of them? Amen. Get me a Valentine flag hanging on my house. Hallelujah. Because it's not about death. That's the test. Give it the test. Is it about death? Is it about fear? Is it about hate? And that's the way our, our... Give your emotions the test. Am I hanging on to old death emotions that are about fear, about resentment, about 
a grudge about, you know, am I holding on to something like that? Or am I, or, or am I holding on to freedom and peace and joy and rest? That's the things I need to hold on to. Make the decision to forgive and say it's done. See, um, when you go about forgiving somebody, it, it's not a thing about feelings. It's just like everything else in the Word of God. See, you're healed by the stripes of Jesus whether you feel like you are or not. You are delivered whether you feel like you are or not. You're saved, whether you feel saved tonight or not. You may have a day where you go, dear God, I don't even feel saved. Amen? But you're saved. Hallelujah. You may have days when you don't, you know, sometimes we just bubble and run over with the Holy Ghost. But some days I go to pray and it's like I'm drawn out of a dry hole. But I'm still full of the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And all I need to do is just crank up. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And forgiveness is the same way. It's not about feelings. And I need to forgive you. Then all I have to do is just say, I forgive you. And by faith, I call it done. And I may not feel like, I may not feel like I've forgiven you. I may not have feelings of love towards you. I may not have feelings of like towards you. I may not even enjoy you. But I've forgiven you by faith and by an act of my will. I know that the love of God's been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. So by faith, I can say I love you. And as I walk this out, the feelings will follow. As I walk it out, feelings will follow. Eventually, my feelings will line up. It'll start slow at first. I may just have one day just a little inkling of compassion for you. You know, my feelings will follow. Hallelujah. Glory. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to be... If You know, if somebody's really wounded you, and I'm talking about really wounded you, you, you don't have to maybe be their best friend. But you don't have to have unforgiveness. And we can let God heal all the pain and all the resentment. And He's going to do that tonight. One of the things you need to do on page 3 is remember the good times got a relationship that somehow it went wrong and maybe they it just crashed remember the good times as long as you rehash oh they said this and they did that and they you know and then you tell them well they said this and they did that and i remember when they did this and you know you're just you're just you're just poisoning your own spirit you're just poisoning your own heart your faith won't work. The Bible says, brethren, it ought not to be that bitter and sweet water come out of the same fountain. So if you're poisoning with part of the day, and then bless God, money cometh. Writing money cometh on your check. And then just poison, poison, poison. They said this, and they said that. And they just do this, and they just do that. Well, you might as well wrote Mary had a little lamb on your check. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, it's the truth. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder sometimes why we... I, I know, you know, what people say about writing money cometh, but truth is nobody ever sees those checks anymore. Computer does everything. It's not like the... You know, it used to be the teller looked at the check and then put it in the... Not the teller, the 
what were they? The proof, the proof lady at the bank. She looked at the check. She put it in that hole. She looked at the check. She put it in that hole. Now it's just through a computer. Amen. Now at some stores, you write the check and they give it back to you. And they, ching it's out of your account. Hallelujah. Do not let people negatively dominate your thoughts. You know, when you hold that old grudge, that person's negatively dominating your thoughts. That's not ever healthy. And remember, going to prosper and be in health as what? Your soul prospers. So it's important that we deal with these things. The second hindrance to relationships, I wonder if the ushers are through. I mean, I'll stop any time. Why don't you see if they're waiting on us? Amen. But I'm not going to stop if they're not through. Number two, the second thing is I don't have time for relationships. Boy, I tell you. Busy, 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 busy. Well, how y'all been? Boy, we've been busy. I heard one pastor say this, and I thought this is right. We, you know, we believe Mark eleven twenty three. We have what we say. So what do we need to quit saying? Huh? I'm busy. Because you are having what you say. So I'm trying to break the, it's been so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so behind. We should not. We should break those little things. Were they through? They were through. Okay. Hallelujah. So we'll quit. So when we come back next week, I'm going to have some more pages for you. And we're going to finish on page three. I don't have time for relationships. Amen. I want you this week to not ever confess you're busy. Okay.